I'm SP from Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a show about the general Marvel comic universe, part of the Guinea Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other hilarious and fun geeky shows at guineageeknetwork.com. And welcome to Play Comics, where once again, we're just going to forget the whole comics thing and talk to creators about some cool things that they're making. Today, we have Lydia and David Shearer here talking about a game that they have going on Kickstarter, Cat Magic the Game. So, David and Lydia, how are you guys doing today? Fantastic. The kids are asleep. That means it's time to party. (laughs) Yep. Or work but, for yeah, like, by party <laughs> by party what I mean is it's time to work. Work without being interrupted for a few hours, stay up way too late and then pass out and start again tomorrow. Yep. That probably is a party though. Yeah, we like what we do, so uh, lately I've been doing a lot of like shipping things and spreadsheet stuff, so that's not really the most entertaining. But it's better than being an engineer. Yeah, it's better than my old job. Oh, God, I don't even want to hear about that one. That just sounds horrible already. Yeah, uh, it was. I uh, So I built phone systems for a living. Um, like, I did the programming of the device and stuff like that for companies getting, like, 9,000 lines or something like that. And it would take weeks to get all set up some, a, a lot of the times. And I would hand the project off to somebody who had no idea what they were doing. They'd install it wrong, and I'd get a phone call at 3 a.m. with somebody really mad who's been on the phone with, like, somebody, like a lower-end technician for, like, 16 hours. And then I'd find all they did was type their phone number wrong or something dumb. (laughs) So, yes, we're all very happy that David is now working as marketing director of Chenoweth Press and designing games. So what you're saying is humans need somebody smart to watch over them and take care of all of their basic needs. Yes, absolutely. As long as they have whiskers and four paws. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I was going for, too. <laughs> Great minds think alike. So we have here Cat Magic the Game. Can you tell us a little bit about how this game came to be? The way it came to be is I started working on like a dungeon crawl Um like game where anthropomorphic, well not anthropomorphic, but like regular cats with like swords strapped to them um, were going through a dungeon and I was working on a mechanic for it and uh, trying to get that mechanic right and realized that mechanic would actually be a lot more fun as its own game and uh, I took 20 something minutes with a notebook and did a whole bunch of math and the next thing I knew, I had a, a card game. Um, it took me a, a few days to get the like the math on how many cards to put in uh, in the deck right, because uh, the first uh, first iteration of the game had way too many cards. And then after I narrowed that down, um, came up to Lydia and was like, "Hey, I've got this game. I'd like to theme it on your on your book series." Uh, let's talk about it and then sat down and played a game with her in which i forgot to proxy one of the cards so we ended <laughs> yeah, up was... playing a never-ending game of cat magic as the very first game that was ever made because we both needed the card that was missing to win and uh once i fixed that problem she yeah. was much happier with it yep and how and why did y'all decide to base this on the Lily Singer stories in the Love, Lies, and Hocus Pocus series of books that Lydia has been writing? Um, well, Lydia already had a, um, a market. Um, she has a fan base that I'm already quite active in because I do all of her marketing for her books. Mm-hmm. And we decided it would be a, um, a fun thing that people that like her books would enjoy. And even if they don't play games, they might want it for like the art and the quotes and things like that are, that are on it. Um, which would make it a 
an easier thing to, to market and sell because we already have a fan base. And yeah, that'll be anything out. Yeah, I mean, pretty, pre pretty much it was just seemed like a smart idea for the, a first game to kind of base it off IP that we already had, you know, things figured out for. So yep. there wasn't, it wasn't as much of a risk and uh, it's gone way better than we expected. And so. I had this like great idea of uh, Sir Kipling, the magical talking cat in her story, talking to one of the other characters and the other characters explaining to him about how human games work and Sir Kipling going, you know, that would be much better if a cat made it. And, uh, that, that like idea just struck me as being something hilarious that should exist. Well, no, over in our house, my wife jumped up and said, Hey, these books that I'm already reading, they're going to make a game. Like, do you think I should get it? And it's like, Kaylee, I know you're going to get it. Just do it. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. She was very enthused when she emailed me and asked, uh, if we wanted to come onto your podcast. So. And being uh, as involved with the community as I am, uh, it was a, a, a really fun thing for me to be able to go, look, I've got something coming and put up like a picture of art that we've got made. Um, it was really cute artwork that we're using. Um, and just the response to it and me getting to interact with the fans as a creator rather than just that guy that corrects spelling errors in our uh, our advertisements. The ones that you make in the first place? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's been a fun, it's been a fun trip. I've learned a whole lot of stuff. I'm glad that the first games I was making was a rather, um, rather simple game. Not like it's simple as it's like unfun. It's simple in the way that like chess kind of is simple. Not, not comparing my game to chess. Chess is a, that's a bad comparison, but the analogy still works. Um, that the, the actual game of chess is simple but it's actually getting in and playing it that makes it complicated. Um, with uh, cat magic, the interaction with the other humans at the table makes it really complicated. And or cats at um, the table. Yeah. So, yeah, getting to interact with the, the community has been a lot of fun. And if, if I had tried to make a harder game and do all of the learning that I had with a, a more complex game, it would have been a nightmare. What have been some of the surprisingly hard things that you guys have encountered getting this game put together? Uh, getting an artist was one of the most difficult things. Um, well, finding the right one. Well, Once we found the right one, it wasn't hard to get yeah. her. It just... Well, so here, here's my experience with artists. Uh, there's a bunch of websites that you can look up where artists display their stuff and you can reach out to them because they have contact information. Um, and I was reaching out to all these artists going, hey, I would like to do a card game. I need like 70 pieces of art or something like that. Um, can you give me a quote? And without fail, everyone responded with, what's your budget? Um, and I wanted them to give me a price, not me tell them how much money I was going to give them. And I couldn't find anyone to do that. So I was uh, complaining with our, the babysitter that we had at the time, um, who is a, a lady that we go to church with. And she gave me a quote right then. Uh, she's an artist, very talented. And I was like, draw me some, some cat pictures and, and we'll talk. She came back the next day with these really awesome cat pictures and uh, we hired her pretty much on the spot. It was completely not the art style that I, I had envisioned for the game. It wasn't really but, what I had envisioned either, but it turned out to really work yeah. um, because a lot of the other stuff we were finding um, either looked too kind of dopey, like too <clears throat> silly, or it didn't look like humorous enough and it was had more of like an anime look. Um, and that's not what we were going for. We were kind of going for something that had a bit of a, a bit of a like vintage library scrolly, we had a wizardy magic -y type fun. feel. Yeah. yeah but it was fun. also fun. Like also had a cute factor <clears throat> to it. And, um, Hannah really, really nailed it with her artwork. So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. She drew a, uh, a picture of like three fat fluffy cats and like a bottle of ink. And the bottle of ink picture I thought was so good. It's the picture that we used. And it's also the picture that convinced me that she was the right artist for the job. 
And then what are some of the surprisingly easy things that came around for you? The easiest thing for me was how quickly the game came together, <laughs> yeah. like like rules-wise and stuff. Um, because I just sat down and went, this is how this should work. This is what you should be able to do during the game. And then wrote it all down, put it on some uh, um, note cards, and then walked up to Lydia and was like, hey, play this with me. It'll be really fun. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> and she's looking at like some poorly written uh, note cards, not even playing cards, just note cards that I've written things on. Um, but the easiest thing was, was how quickly the game came together. I'm going to backtrack slightly and add in my what was the hardest thing, which was yeah. making the Kickstarter. Like, that was way harder than anything else because of the amount of graphics work that went into it. When I did Kickstarter for my books, four, five, five-ish, five, six-ish years ago, um, books had a lot more text, not as many graphics, but most games these days are very heavily graphics-based. The entire Kickstarter is just one big long string of graphics. And so that took a long time to do, and it was not something I had anticipated needing to do. So I hadn't really accounted for it in my like, you know, this month we're gonna do this, and this month we're gonna do this. So that was, you know, frustrating and time consuming, but you know, once it was done, um, then it was done. And then the easiest thing honestly has been the promotion <laughs> because I have such a big fan base already. We haven't really had to work super hard to promote it. It's mm. kind of just promoted itself. And like, we could have pushed harder, obviously. There's way more stuff that we could have done. And we probably, like if we'd paid for, you know, advertisements or if we had, you know, gone out and like handpicked a bunch of people to cross promote with and all that. Like we put a whole lot more, I'm sure we could have raised like 50,000, you know, mm -hmm. 60,000. Like it's a, it's a solid game. Yeah. Um, but that's not our goal. Like our goal isn't to push it as big as we could possibly make it. Our goal wasn't like, we have to go viral with this. Our goal is just to get it funded to where we could make it and mm -hmm. it could be there for our fans. Um, because the order that we put in for the game is thousands of units of the game. So <laughs> it's going to be a little while before we sell all of those thousands of units. Yep. Um, so, I mean, we really, I mean, if we'd, if we'd only met the 10,000 goal, it would have been a little bit tough because that's not quite as much as we needed, but we wanted as our minimum goal, um, just in case like it didn't go off the way we planned. Um, you know, it could have been done. 15,000, 16,000 was really the most comfortable level. And then anything above that is just, you know, what we need to do, like the extra stretch goals that we mentioned. So I think we can make 25,000 by the end without too too terribly much trouble. Yeah, and We're gonna promote it real big at Lexington Comic Con yeah. um, next weekend. I'm really excited about the uh, the next stretch goal. The, the art book is <laughs> the thing that I'm the most excited about. Because you don't have to do anything. Yeah, <laughs> but I wanna see it. I wanna have that art book. I wanna be able to give it to the fans. Mm -hmm. So one of the, the most interesting things that I've, I've discovered while making this game is how little I know about playing cards and what how, what went into making a card um like i had to learn what each card stock was and what um like a how many cards would go on a sheet of of uh paper whenever they're making cards and there's a lot of like weird math that goes into it that affects your price that was a an interesting thing for me to discover so did you have any other games in mind as you were making this because I was sitting here watching some of the playthrough videos and stuff and like, yeah, this seems like the way I play magic. <laughs> it actually feels a lot like the way David plays magic with me. I don't really say the way I play magic because I don't really play magic, but David has cajoled me into playing magic with him on multiple occasions. And yeah, it, this reminds me of how he plays magic. So, so the, the game's supposed to be, it's supposed to have less feel bads than magic. Uh, is what I was going for. It's a simple game that you could sit down and everybody's at the same pl like place whenever they start. Like the playing field's pretty even. Um, even going first, and like a lot of games, going first is the thing that that dictates who's going to win. Usually, like the first per person that plays first has a huge advantage on everybody else. Um, but I tried to design this game so that that wasn't the case. 
and that everybody was on pretty even footage. And the, uh, the, the game is definitely designed with a lot of, like, player verbal interaction in mind, like smack-talking people or, like, um, stealing things from them, swapping things around, like, that, that was a, a, a big aspect in how I designed it. I wanted it to be something you could be social with. And cats. Yep. How much did the cats help putting this together, and how much do they think they helped? <laughs> I mean, our cats think that they are the rulers of the universe, so I mean, the game is honestly beneath their notice, except when they want to bat cards off the table, or when Gadget has to inspect every single card for the photo shoot. Yep. So, other than that, like, it's just, it's yep. honestly not, it's beneath their notice. Like, they've got more important things to do. Like, they've got naps to take, and, like, sunbeams to bathe in. Like, just a, a meager game is not really something they worry about much now gadget did help a lot whenever uh, the game first came in uh, she was very crucial in making sure that the quality of the game was up to snuff yeah well up she, to sniff yeah. more like yeah she in inspected every card uh, every pack of cards that came out of the box she had to like to push it around it's actually a, a pretty fun thing to watch i think we got some pictures of it <laughs> And what's been the general fan reaction? Uh, all positive. Uh, everybody that I have I've talked to about it and everybody that I've um, just showed it to or, or played the game with has been very, very positive. Um, like, we've got a, uh, a super fan that lives here in town that uh, is going to be helping us in Lexington uh, whenever we do our convention. And uh, she's, like really excited about it like every time i i see them she like lights up and asks me how the how the kickstarter's doing and if i know more about when the game's going to come in and if she can borrow my demo deck that i've got to play it again um, i mean if you think about it from the perspective of readers of the love lies and hope focus books i mean not only is it a fun game um but there are uh, quotes from Sir Edgar Allan Kipling, the magical talking cat extraordinaire on every card. Um, and some of them are quotes from future books uh, because I am a rabid plotter and outliner. So I, you know, I already have mapped out what's happening and I don't need to know like the exactitude of every scene to know that in XYZ situation, which is going to happen at some point, Sir Kipling would absolutely say this thing. Um, so there are, you know, a couple of scenes that I know that will happen and I know what Sir Kipling would say in them to where I can just put a quote on a card and be like, yeah, I'm going to write that in like two or three years in, you know, book nine or something. Um, and there's artifacts on the <clears throat> cards um, that are, you know, our future artifacts in the book series. So fans not only get to visually kind of see items that they've imagined um, and like read about in the books, but they get to see future items and kind of like guess like, ooh, like where is this going? Like who's going to use this weapon and, you know, how is this going to work out? And so it's, it's, you know, a combination of a lot of really fun aspects of not only getting to play a fun game, but also enjoying like a world that you're already very much a fan of and you know you gotta wait a year or so between books so you know obviously i'm not anywhere close to the level of like harry potter type fandom obviously I never dream of comparing myself to that great series but if you think about you know harry potter fans you know between each books like we were like reading and rereading and rereading the books you know like waiting every year for the stuff to come out and then you know once all the books came out like there was all sorts of spin-offs and things that people were just dying to get their hands on because you know there's no more harry potter books the series is over so that's how they're kind of like living vicariously like reliving the joy and the story is through those extra products and so you know we've got a ways to go to do uh <laughs> you know, do an app or a video game or your know, TV series, but we can do little things like artwork and, you know, card game or an art book or, um, you know, like character profiles and little fun stuff like that. So. Do you worry at all that anybody's going to see some of this future stuff and figure out what you're planning? Oh no, no, they have no idea. Like, because there's no way to figure it out because it's, it's a very, it's, it's very complex um, 
hopefully not confusing. Like, obviously you gotta read all the books to get it. If you just like randomly skip a book, you know, you're gonna lose the trail of things. But it's, uh, the book series is 12 books long. I've written seven um, and it spans, I don't know, the actual book series only spans about two years. Um, but I mean, it spans in terms of the plot line and plot affecting events and characters, spans it spans thousands and thousands of years, like from the you know beginning of time type of thing. Um, and so it's a pretty grand storyline. Um, I would even call the series epic urban fantasy. And that's a term I've picked up from a couple other indie authors whose works I absolutely love, who've written really long series where the storyline itself is more of like an urban fantasy story. But the series is so long and complex with so many characters and different things like coming into play um, that it's more of an epic storyline. And so as opposed to each book being its own individual self-contained story that has no overarching um, uh, effect on each other. Um, that would be more of like a serial urban fantasy, whereas my series is more of like an epic urban fantasy where everything's building on each other um, and you until know, you get to the final climax. So they're not they're not like Robert Jordan Wheel of Time length um, and you know not that complexity either. Um, but they're more like they're closer to that. I don't know. I haven't read the whole um, Jim Butler. Um, here, Jim the Dresden Butcher. Files. Jim Butcher, sorry, yeah. not Butler. Um, the Dresden Files. Have you read the entire Dresden Files? No, I stopped after a few because it just got weird. Yeah. Have you read the Dresden Files, Chris? I have not. And I don't know if Kaylee okay. has either. I, I think, I think it's like, I could just be making a fool of myself here, but I'm pretty sure it's over 10 books long. Um, and it gets pretty like big and overarching too. So, I mean, I, that's probably another series I'd, I'd probably put in the general like epic urban fantasy type thing because it's not high fantasy. It's not epic fantasy because that's more of like an elves, dwarves type feel. Um, but yeah, it's it's absolutely. How many books is it? He's, David's looking it up. Oh yeah, like 19. 19, like, oh, there's more books coming out. Okay, sorry, excuse me, the series isn't over. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it's kind of more in that vein. So yeah, I'm not worried about people figuring stuff out. I mean, they may be able to figure out a few things based on hints that I've dropped. There are 50 entries in the Dresden File read order. Oh wow, he must have a bunch of short stories. Uh, so. He has graphic novels, short story books. I mean, you could make guesses about what would happen like at the very end of the series, just based on general knowledge of archetypes and like, you know, you know, the good guy is going to win in the end. Like this isn't like grim, dark, everybody dies like George R. R. Martin. Um, <laughs> so like you could make some well-educated guesses about, oh, in the end, probably this is going to happen. This is going to happen, you know, but as far as the specifics involving the artifacts on the cards, like there's no way for people to know because I haven't introduced the artifacts yet in the book. And so like they have no context to go on um, for the ones that are in future books. So. How hard was it for you to go through the books and pick out like what you were going to use here? Um, that was pretty, I mean, hard, I guess, isn't really the word I'd use. I'd probably say, um, time consuming and requiring a lot of careful thought because there was a few things like judgment, which is a sword that comes into play in uh, book nine, I think book nine and on, um, which I had not nailed down the exact look of or the exact history of it or its exact qualities. Like I had a vague notion of, you know, the part it would play and what it needed to achieve, but I hadn't like written its backstory yet or, you know, decided. And fun fact, uh, this sword is actually going to be a major part of a uh, of a follow-up series, a sequel series down the road, which I hope to do with a um, side character in the Lily Singer Adventures being the protagonist of this new series, and they inherit the sword. Excuse me, uh, it's late. I've been taking care of two little kids all day. Um, so I had to make sure that everything that I said 
which I don't really say anything about the sword, but there's a picture of it. Everything that I, the design of the sword and the look was very important because that all tied into its history, when it was made, who it was made by, what its purpose is, what its abilities are. And all of that is extremely important for this series down the road that I'm probably a decade away from writing the series itself because I got to finish the Lily Singer adventures and who knows how many other books in the meantime. And so I, for that particular card and one or two others, I had to do some very extensive plotting and outlining to make sure that all of my threads were going to um, meet up in the end and I wasn't going to end up like writing myself into a corner or just have to say in the end, okay guys, like, sorry, the representation on, on that cat magic card, like that's not canon. You know, that's just, that was just one version I came up with in the early days. I'd like to not have to do that. Now, who knows, like the story, something I may get to a point and realize that, you know, I'm going to have to change what I had planned because this is not working in the story. And if that happens, it happens. But I really wanted to create something with the game where what I was showing the fans now was canon and that I wasn't going to just be down the road like, oh, ignore that game. Like, also, that was just off the cuff stuff, you yeah, know? We also didn't want it to be like uh, like some games uh, that are made based on intellectual property where you could tell when it was made by when the, the information on it stopped. Because uh, there's a lot of games based on on IPs that were halfway done whenever they made the IP or whenever they, they made the game and the story didn't have any more to go. So you, you're yeah. like, oh, this was made between book three and four because this yeah. this you know important character shows up in I five. Had a I had a pretty good idea already of the major artifacts um, and objects uh, that I could use for the game. But I mean, there's gonna be new ones introduced oh, later yeah. in the series. So yeah. to an extent, like, I mean, they'll people can know, like they'll just yeah. look up the game, see when it was made. Yeah. But yeah, hopefully people can play this game. Um, anyone at any point throughout the series can pick up and play this game and enjoy it and be like, you know, oh, like I have this to look forward to. Oh, or like, oh, like I, that was in this book, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> so it's, it was, it was hard to come up with stuff that was fun and enjoyable and also not spoilery. So that was a little bit hard, um, but it was, it was a lot of fun. I spent a lot of time designing the artwork um, with, uh, I actually drew a lot of the artifacts and items myself and then sent that to <clears throat> our artist, sent that to Hannah um, mm. to make sure that it was accurate to the specifications of the item. So, so Hannah was not the one, Hannah's an amazing artist, not to put any shade on her ability to design beautiful and wonderful things, but because this is all um, established lore in a book series, um, I wanted to make sure that all the items were accurately represented, especially the runes and, and the Dimmy runes on them and such. Um, and of course, it's not like exact, like a, perfect is not the right word. Like I gave her some leeway. You know, I said, hey, give me this, you know, a book that that has these characteristics and she designs them. Like, oh, that's not exactly what I had in my head, but that's cool. Like you're the artist, you designed okay. something beautiful. Like, let's go with that. The aesthetic on all the cards is completely her art style. Like the, mm -hmm. the, way the cats look and the way the items look and things like that like they are are they're her creation but they're based on existing things like existing properties yeah so but it was really fascinating it was a really fun process to, to do the design work and um i'm sure other people who create car games out of book series have had similar fun experiences also slightly nerve-wracking but yeah. it was it was a lot of fun. But seeing the the items that you see in the books come alive on these cards was great. You know, I think one of the best things I saw about the game was just the fact that you guys made it to where every combination can possibly win. Yeah, that was a part of the, the math I was saying about in the beginning, where I broke out like a um, a piece of paper and just did a whole bunch of math, and then took all that math and put it into a spreadsheet and calculated how many of each card I would need to accomplish that. Because I didn't want somebody to like... I didn't want there to be five objects that you're trying to build and have somebody memorize all the patterns and then go, okay, well, this pattern can't win, so if my opponent has that, I don't need to worry about it. And if they have the right amount of rares and commons, they're always a threat. Yeah, just the fact that everybody can stay involved. You know, you don't get people three quarters of the way through the game and all of a sudden they're just kind of there taking up space. You know, that's really one of the things that I run across a lot from 
people who are making games and just where things fall apart. So it's nice to have somebody who plans for that, works around it in a way that makes perfect sense. Well, one of the, the fun things about this game through playtesting that we found is every game that we have ever run, uh, when there's more than like more than two or three people, uh, if there's like four four or five people, whenever somebody wins, everybody else in the table says, "I would have won next round." <laughs> that, that's been a, like a constant. I mean, not everyone, obviously, but it's yeah. it's a pretty close thing. That's one of the fun things about it is, you know, in some games, it's it can be frustrating in that if like one person like gets that one card or like one person happens to like get that combination that you were hoping for, they just end up pulling way ahead and it's not that much of a contest. Whereas for this one, you know, obviously you can like draw a crappy hand, obviously, and you can really struggle to find the cards that you need. But as long as there's like a group, like three. Even with people drawing bad hands, cause I've drawn bad hands in the majority of yeah. the games that I've played. Um, and I've probably played more games than because there's else. Because there's so many opportunities to sabotage each other. You've got people who are like jumping ahead at the beginning and then they get sabotaged and then other people catch up and then they get sabotaged. But then the one who got sabotaged earlier is like starting to build back up. And so you end up having like a really fun jockeying for position. Like, <clears throat> and by the end it ends up being really close. Yeah. And it honestly, it's, there's a social aspect to the game that is just kind of inherent in that like the smack talk and like the snarky talk during the game like is important because you can distract other players from what you're doing and like get away with stuff or you can gang up with like people on other people and convince them to like give that person the dead mouse instead of giving it to me because you'll have multiple people who are starting to win and you're like okay which one should i give the, the dead mouse to um and like okay well you know who do i like the best yeah. or who's bit who gave me a dead mouse you know so there's a social aspect to it that's that brings a lot of fun into the game and there's also uh, the situation that comes up a lot where there's multiple people that look like they're going to win and that one person has to decide which person they want to win because yeah they can, <laughs> they can only they can ruin one sabotage of them. one person but they can't sabotage too so if they sabotage this person the other person might win and who's bluffing it it's it's a fun game i, if, I really like it if you if you watch the playthrough with me and kirsten and my sister so us three the one i put up on youtube and that's linked in the kickstarter um right there at the end like i was having a lot of fun going back with kirsten going back and forth with kirsten talking all about how we have to like stop serena and like stop her from winning and like, you know, the, you know, you're our only hope, like this is our last chance, let's get Serena. Um, mm -hmm. When the whole time I was just trying to keep Kirsten from looking at my card, like looking at what I had out there and like <clears throat> subtly make her not think about, oh, well, is Lydia winning? Should I like try to sabotage her? And I did manage to pull it off and it doesn't always work, um, especially with people who've played it a couple times and like know to watch for that sort of thing. So like it doesn't work on David, for instance. Yep. Well, he designed it, so I'd hope that a lot of things don't work on him with yeah. that. <laughs> I mean, I've beaten him a couple I mean, times. People people say, hey, you designed this game. You're obviously good at the game. I, My win-loss record is not very good. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fairly evenly made game like the yeah because if you just if you draw the right cards and sometimes you can't really stop a person from winning if they just get the right cards. But the it's not like like in Magic the Gathering where one person could just run away with the game. Um, if you, in your opening hand, draw all of the items that you need to win, um, your opponents are still going to be able to to stop you. To steal your cards or give you like dead Throw a monkey or... wrench in it and, and like, the absolute worst the game can go is everybody playing items for a a long time and then what that leads to is all of the action cards being in the deck so once everybody's played their items everybody starts drawing action cards and then it becomes this like mad dash of like stealing and sabotaging and and stuff so it's a uh, i've seen it play out a lot of different ways and there's this pattern that seems to happen the the jockeying for position the like getting all of your items out and trying to like 
strategize as to the best way to play your items to win the game and if you want to steal items from your opponent or if you want to wait until they try to sabotage you to steal them back but if you wait too long someone might declutter your hand and make you yep. discard your cards and and then um whenever the the deck reshuffles because what what usually happens is you go to the deck and at the end of the deck you reshuffle the deck and start over a lot of the item cards are out of the deck so now it's just a bunch of action cards that keep getting played over and over again so it becomes really chaotic until somebody wins so flipping over to the kickstarter how did y'all decide what kind of rewards to have for the different levels on this one we sat on a couch <laughs> and had a notepad and a bunch of really bad ideas. No, we didn't. We didn't have really bad ideas. You have to have really ones. bad ideas mixed in with no, the good ideas. That's had, just how ideas no, work. No, no, <laughs> we honestly just had pretty much good ideas. I can't think of a single bad idea that we discarded. Well, it's because we were throwing out ideas and going, you know, that's terrible. And no, what? Tell me one. I don't remember them. No, like, we didn't. We really for didn't. For $10 million, dollars, we'll send you one of our cats. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. There were a bunch we didn't. No. Use. No. Good grief. You're you're not much of a cat owner if you're not kidding. <laughs> we would we would never part with our kitties. Not for anything. Um Although $10 million would buy a lot of cats. No, we can make $10 million on our own. We don't need somebody to give that to us. <laughs> Uh, so getting back to now that we're like, stop talking about selling our cats for the highest bidder and, uh, back to the Kickstarter. Well, so Just for the record, Play Comics does not condone selling people's cats. Of course, of course, <laughs> of course. All, all joking. So all some joking. of the ones we didn't put in are things like, uh, art cards or anything that modifies the card or putting in an extra special card because of the Kickstarter. Yeah. A lot of um, games have like expansions on the game itself. Yeah, yeah. And so we decided that was just going to be too complicated for this Kickstarter and that we were just going to go with the cards that we had designed and keep things like simple. Because the other thing you have to think of is we're not a big operation and David's working full time managing fulfillment and marketing for the only thing that's feeding us. Yeah. We are 100% self-employed. And if we don't make our own money, then we we starve. I mean, hopefully we don't starve because oh. we have friends. But you know, we're 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 one hundred percent self employed indies. So we have our full time jobs that are like twelve hours a day, fourteen hours a day. We're working all the time. Yeah, my and my friends have wondered where I've gone. Yeah, and then we're also making this Kickstarter and trying to design this game. So it's like we had to make sure we had rewards that were not too complicated to re to, to fulfill because we don't have a team of a bunch of people that we're paying to do all yeah. this. We're just doing it ourselves on the side. Yeah, so the the one, one thing that we, um, uh, we talked about was uh, putting additional cards in. And the game is designed to be a closed ecosystem. It's not designed to have a uh, have any expansions on it, and that's like a, a no no for card game makers today. You have to be able to make a game that you can have like a hundred expansions on. Uh, well, but, but that's because they're making their money from the game. We're making I, our money from books. The game I, is I to add on to the books. I didn't want uh, I didn't want you to have to buy have like the completionists out there to buy um, to buy the box and then go oh, but I have to buy the. Sir Kipling's Magical Friends expansion. And, I mean, I don't uh, know. That like, sounds like fun. <laughs> like, I didn't want people to have to do that because there's so many games out there where you're like, well, I bought the base game, but the game's not fun unless you buy this expansion. Um, which there's several games out there now where like the, the main game is just an advertisement for the, the, the expansion or they split the game up into two. Honestly, this game is just an advertisement for my books. I'll just put it out there. I won't lie. This is just an advertisement for my That's books. That's not how I feel about it. <laughs> yeah, I, you're, you're right. So, it's a great it's a great game. But also, on the back of the player reference cards are pictures of my books. Yeah, I mean, that's, so. that's because it's based on the, the IP. Yeah, this, but the card game, says, go buy my books. This game for me is a... a lifelong dream and jumping off into the world of, of game design. Um, it, for me, was a thing I used to learn the world of game design, which is really weird and complicated. Because um, after you... The, making the games is only the first part. And then you have to figure out how you're going to get it printed, what type of cardstock you want to use, what's the difference between blue core and black core and white core. How many organs you have to sell to mail things internationally. Um, logistics of 
getting a box made like like a box you every game has one so it's got to be a simple process right nope not at all <laughs> um what type of files to send to printers i mean finding a printer yeah, in the states no that we can afford no printer but that i found uses the same intake process for files or even uses the same file type i have people ask me to send files in indesign in photoshop um just tons of things and uh we found ones that were like uh, you uploaded the the uh files that you've got to their own uh, program that they have built that's web-based and then it distorts everything you have to go into their proprietary software and redesign your cards so that everything works um, like the the process was eye-opening and expensive thus the Kickstarter yep. and I didn't want to have a game that like uh, that I put a great deal of time into designing I didn't want like my magnum opus of a game to be the first game that I produced because I knew I would mess up on something. <laughs> I kind of messed it up with publishing books. Like, we originally published Love, Lies, and Hocus Pocus Beginnings, the first book of this series, as like a, not as a throwaway, like not at all, but as like a, like a cute, fun serial thing that I didn't really know what was gonna, like where it was gonna go, mm. but it was, it was what I had at the time and it was in a popular genre. It was right after, I mean, not right after, but you know, it was after like the Harry Potter, you know, books had all come out and so they were all still really popular and it's very popular with Harry Potter fans. So we published that not realizing, like, and I had a whole bunch of other plans for a whole bunch of other books. Mm. I had like an entire series that I was working on where Lily Singer was just supposed to be like the fun break um, from that. And I was supposed to get back yep. to that main series. Um, and we ended up like Lily Singer did really well. And it is now like 120% our bread and butter. Yep. And it's what everybody wants. And I can't was, do anything else. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can, I am. Uh, I have a book, a co-written a co science fiction book with John Ringo coming out April 5th called Into the Real, um, published by Bain Books that I had a lot of fun doing. And it was a nice break. Um, and it was a great way to kind of expand uh, with another publisher and reach a new audience. So that's been a lot of fun. But um, yeah, all of my fans are like, when's the next Lily Singer book coming out? So... They're yeah. all moaning and rolling around and half dead waiting. So. Yep. I have never seen that reaction at all, ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in your own wife? <laughs> yeah. Has yep. she ever been like fainting on the couch? Like she just finished book seven and she's like, Ooh. No, usually she ends up finishing them at like two or three in the morning. So I'm asleep and then oh, I hear about it. The next yeah, 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 yep, yep, yep. Well, here, I'll, I'll have to ask you about it after the podcast. You can give me all the deets. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you right now. We go, go in there and it's like, hey, do you need me to get you anything? I ran out of book. <laughs> so if you want a, a fun fact to tell your wife um, about how the books were created, uh, Love Lies and Hocus Pocus, as she stated, uh, started out as a serial that we were doing was on Patreon, where you're going to release. Um... Yeah, I mean, it was the goal wasn't to always do it all the way on Patreon. Yeah. Patreon was just a vehicle I was but going to use to help fund it while I was writing. She it. was writing a different story, and uh, uh, it was really depressing. Like it was a darker story. It was. So it was. It was angsty teenage vampires. And, <laughs> and so I'd, I'd come home and she she'd like be upset about something and I'd talk to her about it and uh, I'd find out that it was because she was writing some really sad stuff in her, her book and I'm like why don't you write something happy let's sit on the couch let's brainstorm let's talk about something happy and get a, a good happy like December 2014 really, yeah it was something like December like I don't know in the teens or like December 20th um, or something we sat like on the that. couch we talked about names and characters and things like that and then she wrote um wrote a short story and then wrote another one well, well no i was one. no i was writing the episodic yep. stories like so that i lily singer the lily singer adventures were never a collection of short stories because some yes. people say they are some people they're say not. they're a collection of short, they are not a collection of short stories they are written 
to be Sorry. originally they were written to be enjoyed like a TV series in episodes yeah. that is one story but not, it's broken up into bite-sized pieces. I misspoke not short story episode. Yeah episode. episodes. Um, it has grown far beyond that because the story refuses to be contained um, but originally it was meant to be like shorter episodes. Um, I mean I'm a writer like I can't really help it. <laughs> yep. So that's what I do. Yeah. And what's been your biggest happy surprise getting this Kickstarter going besides just getting uh, funded because that's a cheater answer. Oh, well, I was going to say like the the first day getting 150% funded was pretty exciting. Yeah, well, so, no, no, it was 125% yeah. funded the first day. Um, the, thing, the thing for me is the, the fan reaction. Like I didn't realize that people even knew who I was. And then whenever I came out and was like, hey, I'm i'm publishing a game uh people like knew who i was and was really excited about it i talk about hubby um, all the time and uh the other the other reaction that i thought was awesome was uh, most of the local um local game shops uh they were all about it uh, there's a game shop in town called cardinal and they like the mason one of the, the owners there has been like one of the most supportive like super fans of this game already uh, I gave him a copy of it to demo, and he made a YouTube video for it and everything. was it was super excited. And then there's a, a Louisville Game Shop. There's a, another small game shop around here that, that specializes in board games. And they're like, when can I get this? I would like to stock this for you. I will put it on my shelf and sell it to everyone I can. And uh, Heroes Comics and Games had a similar reaction to it. So like all the like like local game people have been super excited about it and have been uh, like asking me for updates and um, texting me every time we hit a, goal, a stretch goal to tell me that we've reached a stretch goal. <laughs> I have two I have two super fans. I won't name them uh, just in case they don't want to be called out. They would probably wouldn't care, but um, two super fans who were kind of jockeying for the for being the first backer. So one guy kept messaging me, like wanting to know exactly when it was going to go live. He's like, I'm gonna get up early in the morning. I'm gonna like camp out at the computer. And like this other guy, I had no idea that he was going to be doing that. So so I was just communicating with one of one of my fans and letting him know when it would start and everything. Um, and so when it comes like the first day, of course, is a whirlwind and, and everything. And so I checked back on it in the evening and I was really surprised with that a couple people had already snapped up some of the really high reward, like thousand dollar support tier, which you get a tuckerization in one of my books down the road, um, which Tuck I've, Tuckerization which, means you get your character put into the book. No, no, no you get you put in the book yep, as a character. Your, yeah, that's what I mean. You, character you. based on you. Yep. Um, and so, um, I expected I'd have at least one super fan who'd probably want that. Um, but I mean, there's five available and four out of the five went in like the first day or two. Um, and so I was really surprised by that, very pleasantly surprised. But then later on Facebook, those two super fans started kind of like, you know, it, like in fun, like mock kind of sniping at each other. Um, you know, uh, the one who had like planned for it and kept messaging me ended up being backer number two. And the other one like snapped up like the backer number one status. So the books, the one of the rewards is a, a novella by Sir Kipling um, that's going to be like Kickstarter edition with, and they're numbered. Um, and so the backer number is what your number is going to be in the paperback that you get. And so one of my super fans was all like disappointed, like all, oh, you know, I worked, I tried so hard to get like number one backer and, you know, I missed it. And so he's, he and the two of them have been really cute. And they're some of my biggest supporters. They're wonderful people. Yep. Um, you know, they post about it a lot on Facebook. And yeah, they're the ones who are like messaging me on Facebook. Like every time we pass a goal, we're like, look, we did it. You know, you got to do more stuff. I'm like, yeah, I got to do more stuff. <laughs> yep, I got a few fans in the gaming world that, that will send me text messages every time that we reach a goal as if I'm not sitting there like, yeah. fresh, waiting for us to go over the goals. Honestly, I have, I have not been. When I did my other two Kickstarters, again, you know, five, six years ago, <clears throat> of course I was just starting out. I didn't have a 
fan base. I just had friends and family. And so I remember them being like really nerve wracking, you know, like, oh, we're going to meet this goal. And I remember like having to work obviously a lot harder to promote them. <clears throat> you know, like that's all, like that all makes sense. You know, six, seven years later, thousands and thousands, and you guys don't want to know how many dollars in advertising, you know, later, um, obviously we have a much bigger fan base. And so yeah. it's, we've, we've been mostly just sending it out to our, um, our current fan base. Um, and then, you know, they tell their friends and stuff. So we get kind of like the, the add on of friends and family. Um, but yeah, it's just been fun seeing people kind of joke around with each other, um, about that. So yep. that's, that's been the most fun thing fun. for me. So because we're going to have this coming out so close to the end of the Kickstarter, inevitably somebody is going to hear this episode after the Kickstarter is over. Mm -hmm. Are they going to be able to get this game at all? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this game is going to be available. I mean, probably um, probably not in retail stores um, like, like US wide, obviously. We'd have to get some sort of contract with a distributor for that. Um, but if they're anywhere near Louisville, Kentucky, you know, our local game stores will stock it and then we will be selling it from our website as well. So obviously it'll be a little more expensive. You got to pay shipping, you know, if you get, excuse me, if you get it shipped. But the goal is once we get I mean, we're, we're getting, what are we getting? 3,000, 4,000 copies, units? Uh, minimum is 3,000. Yeah, so, we're, so depending on the Kickstarter, we may end up getting 4,000 if the Kickstarter meets 25,000, um, but we're gonna be getting between three and 4,000 units and it will take us a couple years to sell all those. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna have them stocked on our site. Now that's not gonna be till probably July-ish. We're hoping to get the game in by May or June at the latest. Um, and then once we fulfill all the Kickstarter rewards, which will take a while, cause we're probably gonna end up having four or 450 uh, backers and that's gonna take time for two people to do. Um, <clears throat> After that, we'll have time to, to set up all the stuff on our website, which is store.lydiasharer.com, by the way, for anybody who wants to know. Um, and all of our books uh, and all of our, our stuff is on there available for sale. So we'll put it up on our website once we've done, we're done fulfilling all of, you know, any stores that want to stock it, we'll get those fulfilled. We'll get all the Kickstarter words fulfilled and there should still be like a good 2,000 units left yep. to, to just sell off our website. And we'll probably take a year or two just advertising on Facebook and selling off all those. And uh, maybe we'll put in another order, get another yeah. couple thousand. So the, the numbers on, on indie games, so uh, the way it works with an independent game is if you sell 500 copies in the indie world, you are considered to have a successful game. Like most people that make games make about $400 on their investment of making the game for the life of the game. And I think we are over 300 copies sold. Well, we have um, 365 <clears throat> backers and yeah. all but four of those, four people are have backed the digital tier, which is basically just like a throwaway. Yeah. Not throwaway as in not unimportant, but like, hey, I want to support <clears throat> you, but I don't want the game. Everybody yeah. else. So we have at least 350 people we're going to be sending a game to. Yeah, so if we right off the jump sell 400 copies of the game, uh, then I'm going to be able to go to the, the gaming community uh, with my next game and go, I'm a successful game designer. This is the numbers I've sold on this. And hopefully they'll open some more doors for me. Yeah. So yes, it will absolutely be available on our website, but it's probably going to be around July of the summer before you can buy it off the website. Yeah, and if you do live in Louisville, Kentucky, you can go to those gaming stores that we mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, Cardinal... Uh, Louisville Game Shop and Heroes Comics and Games, uh, they're going to be carrying our game too. Support your local gaming stores! Woohoo! Right, them in the comic stores, you got to make sure the good places are still there. Oh, yep, yeah. absolutely. And if you're into comics, there's no better place in Louisville than uh, Heroes Comics and Games. Steve will probably be happy that I'm shouting him out on a podcast. <laughs> Steve is an awesome guy, but I've never seen him like get excited about anything. He's a very like he's, even keeled person. He's like very, yep. He's just very even keeled about everything. Okay. So his version of excitement will probably just be like you know a head nod. <laughs> yep. Twisting things into the question that I ask everybody that I have just let loom ominously throughout this entire interview here. Oh, okay. As you were looming, wondering I didn't what it could have been. <laughs> I've been wondering. I was hoping you forgot. <laughs> oh, I will never forget because the fans make sure I never forget. Who's your favorite Muppet? 
Oh man. Favorite Muppet. Okay, so there was a Muppet, a Jim Henson thing called Dog City. And Dog City was like dogs and it was a noir thing. Um, the lead character of that, which I would know any other day, is probably my favorite Muppet. But if you're going with like the Muppets Muppet, um, it is probably Fozzie. I'm going to be super, super boring and say Kermit the Frog because I just like him. Like, he's a great character. I really enjoy Movie Kermit. Kermit or and Muppet I, Show Kermit, though? Um, Muppet Show Kermit. Um, absolutely Muppet Show Kermit. Um, and I don't like Miss Piggy because she doesn't treat him right. Like, come on, woman. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, a second favorite the really only Muppet movie I really got into was Muppet Treasure Island. Um, and there's this one scene that is burned into my memory that I will never forget when I think they're leaving a port or something and they're pulling up the anchor by pushing like the round wheel with a bunch of spokes that you push to reel in the chain of the anchor. And someone says like, you know, like faster, faster. And a little rat is hanging off the handles. Like his feet are too short to reach the ground. And he says, I'm going as fast as I can. <laughs> so there's this little rat Muppet in Muppet Treasure Island that I have a fondness for. Uh, but other than that, I would definitely say Kermit the Frog. Oh. And the uh, the dog Muppet is named Ace. I had to look that up because it it was uh, going to bug me for the rest of my life if I did. I mean, you can always <laughs> remember things until you need to remember it, right? Of course. Yep. And Wikipedia is there for when you fail and you can't remember anymore. Well, it has been great talking to y'all about all this stuff. I know you've said it before, but let's say it again. If people want to hear more from you, where else can they find you around the internet? Um, the easiest place, I mean, as like a base of operations would be going to my website, which is LydiaShare.com. Um, and if you don't know how to spell that, then don't worry about it. If you just Google your best guess of spelling at LydiaShare.com, I will probably come up. Um, or it could just be easier to Google Love, Lies, and Hocus Pocus. That's pretty easy to remember. Um, Love, Lies, and Hocus Pocus.com also is, is a website that redirects to my site. Um, and so you can start there. That's got a link to my store and it's got about books and all that mm -hmm. stuff. I'm very prolific, uh, very active on Facebook. Um, uh, also somewhat on Instagram. I am not on Twitter. It's a cesspool of vileness and villainy. Um, <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> um, I used to be on Twitter. Um, I am not anymore. So no Twitter, but Facebook for sure. Um, I think I've got a MeWe account, but I don't do a whole lot on MeWe because it's just it's too much work trying to run a whole bunch of different social media accounts at the same time. So email, I'm very easily accessible by email. I have a newsletter um, that is monthly and has lots of fun, cute cat pictures and all the latest news. So definitely sign up for that. Um, you can find a sign up for that on my website. So I'd say go to the website, sign up for my newsletter, find me on Facebook, and email me. I am so. on Instagram, but I forget that it exists for probably 90% of the time. Yeah, David doesn't do a whole lot on social media. He's too busy working, yep. which is good for him. Social media is part of my work. So I, I take I do all yep. of the social media like promotion stuff for all of our, all and our I, products. And I'm on social media for a job because I run all of our advertisements. So whenever I'm done working, I don't want to look at it. I'm an extroverted extrovert, so I feed off of social media like a vampire. But if anybody has any questions about how to make their own card game and you look me up on Instagram, it's a pretty easy way to get a hold of me. Uh, my Instagram is disenchantedwanderer. It's super esoteric and hard to remember. Just find me and ping me and I'll get you in touch with David. <laughs> I am definitely the social butterfly of us too. Yeah, Disenchanted Wanderer was that email address you made when you were like 15. And then, yeah. Uh, <laughs> 20 years later, you're like, I guess this is my, <laughs> my name life, on, my name on the internet now. <laughs> um, oh, there's one more thing I wanted to say. Oh, uh, my books are available anywhere books are sold. Um, and if you're at a physical bookstore and they don't have them, then tell them to order them and be like, you should have these. Order these right now. Um, Same with your local library. Yeah, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, uh, Kobo, Booksmith, like wherever it is that you get your books, you can find mine. 
Um, and uh, definitely if you're budget limited or you prefer getting stuff at your local library, if the local library does not have them, you can ask your librarian, will you all please add these to your catalog? They like getting suggestions. So the more people ask for those books, the more likely the library will be to carry it. So. Yep. And leave a review on wherever you leave reviews. If it is yeah. Amazon or if it is Goodreads or whatever. Uh, reviews are the lifeblood of an independent author. Um, every review helps. Yep. Even if you don't like it. I never go look the reviews on Goodreads anymore, though. Goodreads is kind of like the Twitter of the of like the the reviewing world. Uh, people are real. Some people are real nasty on Goodreads. <laughs> so I don't look at Goodreads reviews. I look at Amazon reviews, though. Well, in case you don't want to try to make a guess on spelling, as always, there will be links down in the show notes. You can just click links too. <laughs> I figured, like, I'm as well as like easy. listening to this in their car or something, you know. Yeah, please yeah. don't it'll click on like, links while you're in your car driving. You know, it'll be <laughs> like when I listen to some of the animal shows that I listen to, and they're like, "You should close your eyes and picture this animal unless you're driving." <laughs> then don't do yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. As always, if you want to hear more from me, just head on over to playcomics.com where there's links to all the social media stuff, including Facebook and Twitter and Discord and all the fun things like that. If you want to help support the show, the best place to go, again, is Play Comics, where you can head on over to the support page. There's links to Patreon and you know everything else like that. You can also, as of fairly recently, I don't remember how time works right now, but you can sign up on the site and just be a supporter here. And, you know, every little dollar helps in keeping the show free from ads and stuff, because I really don't want to put ads in the show. I'm not saying I will, but I don't want to do it either. But also, if you want to help support the show, just spread it to other people, shove it in their ear holes, get their consent first, because having things shoved in your ears is not fun if you're not ready for it. Play Comics is a proud member of the Gunna Geek Network, home to a bunch of other wonderfully geeky shows. Most dear to my heart is Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., where I get to go talk about different Marvel properties. As of this episode coming out, the newest episode that you can hear of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is when we looked at Spider-Man No Way Home, because we waited until it came out on streaming, and then had to jump it up because somebody leaked the movie. But that's cool. We did it anyway. If you like the music that I'm really talking on top of right now, head on over to soundcloud.com slash best-day to check out Best Day's music. But most of all, just grab a game, grab a stack of comics, and go find yourself a new favorite character.